Welcome to Silently Bleeding, Hope for the Pastor's Wife. I'm your host, Jan McIntyre. Today, Michelle Jones is joining us. She is a professional Christian biblical counselor, and we're going to be talking about how to become a safe church. This is going to be part one. Next week will be part two. Let's jump right in. Thank you so much for joining us on Silently Bleeding, Hope for the Pastor's Wife. We have Michelle Jones with us again today. She is a professional Christian counselor with 20 years experience, and she is going to talk about some of the hard things that need to be exposed that we can learn as pastor's wives and pastors. I'm excited to get started. I know that you did an interview with Nagme, and Mm -hmm. you have that on Silently Bleeding. And I want to say that my first safe place was her. She The work that she does with women is incredible. And I remember where finding her on social media one day, never knowing anything about her. There she was. And she was doing a live interview about what emotional mental abuse looks like. And I remember commenting because I was still having this nervous breakdown in my room, not leaving my room. And I remember commenting, this is what I'm living with. I wish I can talk to you. And Nagme said, send me your number. I'll call you later at five. And I thought, what? Like everything she's doing and she did sure enough she called me later that day at five o'clock i told her my story and she said michelle you're being abused do you understand that and i said yes and so that was the beginning of our friendship and she helped so much she had me talk to her counselor as well who was also a pastor who gets abuse and the way he spoke to me was not about this is what i think he said open up your bible i'm going to talk to you through the word and i'm going to tell you what god thinks about abuse And he walked me through everything using scripture only. It was not twisted. It was what it was meant to say, right? And he would explain it to me. And he said, Michelle, do you, are you understanding this? Do you hear what I'm saying? And I would say, yes, yes, I hear you. And he said, do you understand that you're being abused? And I said, I do now fully. And so that was the start of my first safe place to feel heard and validated and understood. My second safe place was when I had to leave my church because they didn't really want to believe me. They heard me, but they didn't believe me because they would go back and hear him. When you have a woman who's saying he's an abuser and here's my story, you want to go get his side of the story. I know for years, we've all heard there's two sides to every story, right? But that's not so when it comes to abuse. They often want a time and want to escape all accountability and they're not living in truth. It's lies. And so what you're going to hear from them isn't going to be truth. It's going to be what makes them look like the victim or makes them look really good in some way. And so they don't understand that. They didn't want to believe me and I had to leave. And Jan, this is what I'm starting off because I didn't think I would ever step foot back into church with the way I was treated. My daughter speaking up for me and for them as well. She was told, but you have to hear his side of the story. And my daughter said, I'm 26 years old. I've lived it for 26 years. You know, you feel shame. You walk away feeling shame. And that shame is not meant for survivors, victims to carry. It's not meant for us to carry, but we carry it. Shame and guilt are different. Guilt is when you feel guilty over something that you did. You did something wrong and now you feel guilt. Shame is you feel bad. Like guilt is I feel bad over what I did. Shame is I am bad. That's what shame is. It's you're walking around feeling like I am bad. I'm a bad person. No one's believing me. It must be true. All of this abusive lies and all of that. It's like you're being abused all over again when this happens. I swore I would never go back to church again. I was done with church. I loved Jesus, but I was done with church. My kids all wanted to go to this other church. And it was under the same sort of umbrella. It wasn't even like it was a different type of church. It was under the same umbrella. I'll leave it at that. So I definitely didn't want to go at all. But I went for my daughter. 
I didn't want to be there. And I felt like every time I heard the word because of what happened and because of the way things were used against me, there was just something about sitting in a church again that just was so hard for me to do. And I couldn't hear what was being said. So after going just a couple of weeks, my daughter kept saying, mom, I really want you to talk to the pastor's wife. She's different. Like she's going to get it. I was terrified to do it. And I did. I went up to her after service one day and I said, do you think that we can talk? And she said, yeah, absolutely. Give me your number and I'll call you. And sure enough, a couple of days later, she called me. She was so friendly and we made up an appointment and I went to see her. When she walked in, Jen, she walked in. I went, walked into her office. She walked in after me and she was carrying her Bible. Well, that Bible, because of what happened to me in my old church, was a weapon. That's how I saw the Bible. Mm -hmm. I didn't say a word. I put, she put the Bible on her desk and she came to sit next to me. She must have picked up that I was looking at the Bible. I didn't say anything. And she said, oh, I just came from a Bible study. That's why that's there. Now, why would you have to explain why you're carrying a Bible in if you don't get it? Got it. Before she even knew my story. And so I told her my story and she listened to me for probably two hours. And she listened. She validated me. She encouraged me. And she, she just heard me. And I was able to breathe for the first time. She'll be the first to say, I don't have all the answers, but I can sit and listen to you and I can be there for you. Because what she often says is the church is supposed to give that spiritual love to hurting people. That's what we're here for. I just was able to breathe. And so those are my first two experiences finally with safe places, but I didn't feel entirely safe. It took me probably two years being there. I'm there for three years before I can even have enough nerve to talk to the pastor. Now I've sat under him. I have listened to him. I have called his teachings every Sunday, my counseling sessions, because he has a soothing voice and he just speaks with grace, but he says hard things really well. So even when there's something that he's saying hard and there's conviction on my heart, that conviction falls safely on my heart because it's not said with shame or harshness. It's just said in grace. Wow. That right there. I think every pastor and pastor's wife, including me, needs to hear that, that when we speak, we speak with love and grace and not shame. Thank you for that, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank Pastor Harry for that because that's him. He is a shepherd indeed, and he leads by example. And I have felt safe in that church. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And because of his leadership. The reason why I want to speak of it is because I want people to know, especially people who maybe are watching that won't go back to church because of church hurt, because of not being believed or helped, that there are safe churches out there. And I found one. I'm so grateful to be there. And my first meeting with my pastor took two years to do. And he was so kind and he knew some of my story and he heard more of it. And he just listened and he understood. He looked right at me and he said, Michelle, I am so sorry that happened to you. And then he said this, not your fault. It's just something about hearing that from your pastor, especially when you did not hear that before. It's not to say that I'm a perfect person. It's not to say that I don't know, like, surely I've handled being in abuse. I didn't always handle it with grace. You're not supposed to, right? It just, it, he just showed me so much grace and it was so healing for me. It's important to find safe places wherever we can. And it's important for pastors and pastor's wives to create that safe place. And hopefully yeah. some of us after this interview will have a better understanding how to make that happen. 
Yes, I hope so too. And again, I, and I'll even throw this out there that my pastor, Pastor Harry and his wife, Irma, they want to do it right. And so they have received training to be able to do it right. And I benefit from it and my kids benefit from it because my kids have all felt safe. And I'm going to say this and everything that I'm going to say today, please hear me when I say this, that there's many treatments for as you're recovering from abuse. But the number one treatment is the feeling of safety. The feeling of safety is the treatment. That's the most important thing. It's not the only thing, but it is the most important thing. You have to have a sense of safety when you're leaving abuse. God just walked us into a church where we can feel safe there. And so we're grateful for that because that helped us to grow and heal. Let's talk about things that will help us as pastors and pastors wise better understand how to make our church a safe place for so many people that are probably being abused in our churches and we don't even know it. One thing I wanted to say, let me just throw this name out there, Diane Landberg, a psychologist who has worked all over the world, really doing work for abuse survivors. And she gets it like no one else I've ever met. She has great books to explain. There's one called Suffering in the Heart of God. And that's a great book, Trauma Destroys and Christ Restores. That's by Diane Landberg. So that's a great resource for you. One thing is, this is a quote from Diane Lamberg, is when the church shows grace to an abuser in response to a few approved words or tears, they've done damage to the victim and left the abuser with a disease that will rot his soul. And so those are some strong, bold words. Say that one more time. When the church shows grace to an abuser in response to a few approved words or tears, They've done damage to the victim and left the abuser with a disease that will rot his soul. One of the things that was really hard for me while I was sitting in church is when my pastor started talking about submission, because right away, submission was always used against me. And so right away, I just didn't want to hear anything he had to say. I felt shame. And I remember putting my head down because he started talking about it and I didn't want to hear it. And then he said, but hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying to submit to abuse. God never calls us to submit to abuse. He said, we're to submit to our husband's godly leadership. You don't submit to him just because he's your husband. You submit to his godly leadership. Well, Jen, that was groundbreaking for me because that's not what you hear. At least that's not what I've heard for so many years. So my ears were open and this is what makes him safe because he gets it. He's just reading from the word. He's not making things up and he speaks truth. And so this helped my heart. With saying that, I wanted to talk a little bit about things that go on that we can recognize, how to recognize abuse and things that go on in an abusive marriage, an abusive cycle. So, right, we're talking about safety, right? So we can become a safe church. One of the things to understand is not everyone understands what gaslighting is. We've heard that term. Gaslighting is, and I have a definition here that I'm just going to read, is, is when you manipulate someone into questioning their own sanity or powers of reasoning when you blame the victim for the abuse. That's what gaslighting is. It's designed to drive you crazy just so you can stop um, being able to make your own decisions. So you doubt your own self. You don't trust yourself. You know, the sky is clearly blue, but he would say, that's a red sky. And I would say, no, it's like literally as blue as day. And he's like, nope, it's red. And then you start to think, maybe there's something wrong with me. Like, it's convincing that it's red. So now you start thinking, well, the sky is red. And people around you are going, Michelle, that's blue. And you're like, what? And so it just causes so much confusion in you. And when you deal with that over time, it causes something called CPTSD. And that means complex PTSD. And so what makes it complex is you can get PTSD for maybe a one-time event. 
Complex PTSD is when you're in this situation or in trauma for a long period of time. This is one of the things that happened. I didn't say that. I don't know what you're talking about. You can literally paint the whole scenario out. No, this is exactly, I watched it with my own eyes. Like I saw you do that. And he would say, that never happens. There's something wrong with you. You're crazy. That's gaslighting. And I hope I explained that well enough. There's this one quote here that someone put out there. And it says, if you were made to feel crazy or confused, or if they play victim because you decided to stand up for yourself, calling out their toxic behavior, that's gaslighting. If they manipulated you by lying, deflecting, making you question your own sanity, your own feelings and the facts, that's emotional abuse. I just thought it was really well said to try and explain what that looks like. And that's what emotional mental abuse is. The other part is something called reactive abuse. Abuse recovery coaches don't really like this term anymore because it doesn't sound right, reactive abuse. I like to call it reactive response. There's many different names for it, reactive response, reactive abuse. That's when you react to the abuse is what it means. And what happens is over time, you're reacting to the abuse. You will start protecting yourself in any way that you can, and you will come back at them. So when they're aggressive, you will finally start pushing back to protect yourself, but they will take your reaction and they will twist it on you to make you look like you're crazy. Even if you finally, I'm not a yeller, but you would not recognize me in those moments when he would be abusing me because I would lash out and I would yell in a way that it caused me shame. I was sat in shame for so long because of it and until I knew that was just me fighting back. So I started showing myself some gratitude for the fact that it may not have been the healthiest way, but I was at least finding a way to fight back. Finally, you would lash out and then they would take it and say, you're crazy. Look at how you're acting. I can't believe it. And say nothing about what they did to get you there. That's called reactive abuse. Thank you for joining us for part one of Safe Church with Michelle Jones. Next week, we'll jump right back in with part two. Until then, my friend, God bless.